Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Matt Starks. Matt Starks. Starks. Maximum Maximum Footmax. Please welcome, from the University of Florida, tackle Matt Starks. All right, welcome back. Max Starks is joining us for Maximum Football. It is Wednesday after all. So, of course, Wolf Max would be here. And uh, Max has made it pretty clear, maybe use the preseason a little bit more. Uh, big game plan day. Yeah, it is. It's a big game plan day for the Raiders this weekend. A game that both teams are about as desperate as you could be for a win in week two. So, Max, I'm just going to start big picture on this game with you. Going up against a former teammate like Chandler Jones, who also has the help of Max Crosby now on that defense. If you are the Cardinals offensively, what is your just your main objective coming out of a miserable week one performance and going up against a defense with two very good uh, defensive weapons? Um, and you mean one of those weapons being one that was formerly on your team a year ago? Yes, that, that one. <laughs> he, he would be one of them. Okay. Yes. Oh, no, no. I just want to make sure. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, just because one of the guys has insider information about you. So you now have to do a little bit of tweaking of some of the calls, some of the communication, play call disguise, just so he does not get a beat on you. Because if that guy gets a beat on you, it is going to be a terrible day. Hello, week one last year, Tennessee Titans, when Chandler Jones could have taken over the game by took, took over the game by himself. Um, and and they're also coming off of a loss, so they're going to be pissed off just as much as the Cardinals are. So I think the biggest thing is is just you have to rely on yourself each individual man and you have to make sure you're doing everything to help the team to become an asset this week versus becoming a liability or not putting one in either one of those piles you can't be neutral in this you've got to make gains you've got to make strides that's why i said you got to go in and you got to work harder than you did before yesterday's practice and and preparation is not today's practice of preparation it has to be a different level because now you have the added issue of someone over there that knows you pretty darn well so that's going to be an added challenge. But I'm not fearful. I'm not afraid. No, I can't wait for the challenge if it's me. And, you know, especially when you bring up defensive ends, I love that. That was my job. I wanted to make the guy across from me quit. So I'm looking at it as an opportunity for the offensive line to really get them a true measuring stick, an iron sharpens iron type of mentality, and go out there and get ready to battle. I, I want this challenge. Don't send me the homecoming guys. No, I, I, want, I want the primetime guys. And that's what you're going to get on Sunday when you step into uh, Allegiant Stadium. You're getting primetime guys, especially off the edges. So right now, I know exactly, and that's what I'm thinking of, specifically the matchups coming off the edges. And you're talking about DJ Humphreys versus Chandler Jones. These two guys have played with and against each other in practice um, for what? Years. Yeah, long, five years. <laughs> a long, <laughs> long time, man. They know each other so well. Who do you think the advantage goes to in a situation like that? I would say initially DJ, because one of the biggest things on anticipation is knowing when the snap count is. And that's, that's an advantage, um, for DJ. Um, the skill, 
he's gone against Chandler. He knows all of Chandler's intimate moves and skill sets and shimmies and dead legs and long arm stabs. He knows all of that. So it's going to be snap. It comes down to snap count. Who can get the neurons firing first once that ball snapped? And, and it's a position. Who can get to the better position first? And I trust DJ's feet and I trust his knowledge of the snap count. I would give the advantage to DJ in that situation. But once again, you still got to play it out. That's why we have games and why we don't use simulations, right? Yep. You still have to do it play after play after play after play. But initially, I give that to DJ. Wolf took my question for Max. Oh, That's a, so and sorry. Now you're just gloating. You don't sound <laughs> sorry at all. Uh, Max, I'm going to flip it around on the other side. I know you, you never play corner in the NFL. I understand that. That's pretty much no. the exact opposite no. of your position. Unless you're talking about the corner of a diner table, you know, um, <laughs> and you kind of have to get between like the bar back service and, and the bartender to get their attention. I've done that. Yeah, That's all, the corner it's, I played. It's all about positioning. Um, <laughs> yes. If you are going into a game where the other team has Devontae Adams and you have questions at corner, I mean, are, are you going in thinking you're going to have to put up 30 points to win or is there some sort of way to slow down the Raiders offense at least a little bit? Well, I, I think you can slow down the Raiders' offense, but the question is, how are you going to do it with the personnel that you're divvying out there? I mean, I think you're going to have to you're going to have to have some type of bracket or some type of cover three, um, if not quarters, that you're going to have to drop into, especially in known passing situations, just so you're and and everybody has to know who has who when Devontae Adams is crossing between the zones. Right? You have to keep an active mind, and that's where that communication comes. Isaiah Simmons talked about in one of those clips we played earlier in this. Uh, in, in our hour was that you know having that green dot and being adamant and vehement that everybody knows what the call is the same thing has to be you have to know who the personnel is in the game because if you leave Devontae Adams or, or you're you're peeking at Darren Waller sitting on the seam and Devontae Adams run, is running either a deep over or a deep post and you're the middle guy that cover three <laughs> decisions 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 <laughs> that's where that's where it's going to have to be you know I remember Max with so many evil laughs. I, I have to this. laugh. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, honestly, though, um, I'm more worried about the Vegas Raiders lining up and just handing the ball to Josh Jacobs. I, I really am. After watching the rush defense, of course, last week in mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs, a very underrated rushing attack, I think, for the most part with the Chiefs. And I think a lot of that is because of Patrick Mahomes, of course, and how well they throw the ball. But um, I, I think if I'm the Vegas Raiders, I'm looking at that going, man, the, the Chiefs lined up and ran the ball and ran it well on the line of scrimmage. I think that's what we're going to see an mm. awful lot of as well. And then the play action that comes off it. The Oakland Raiders offensive line is not the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line, Wolf. Well, they're in Vegas, so <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling they're you. They're in Vegas. No, I don't care. They, they, yeah, they're rolling the dice if they do that. Um, exactly. They're in Vegas. Um, no, no, you I said just, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm, yeah, whatever. Vegas, Vegas Raiders. Right. Yeah. I get Anyways, it. the Raiders. The Raiders, yeah, they're in Vegas, but they came from Oakland. Carry the one, add the two. Anyways, <laughs> um, but... Their offensive line had issues. At least that's where I don't know if that's an advantage, and that's why I think it would be more passive. Like I would think more screen game 
to to make up for the pass. I know Josh Jacobs is going to get his touches, but that offensive line looked awfully bad. Mm. And Josh McDaniels is going with a seven-man rotation um, indefinitely until he figures out who the top five are. That automatically tells you that it's a crappy situation that they're in right now with the run. So that's why I don't trust the run game right now if you're switching guys out every couple of series. Um, you need to be a cohesive unit. That's why I think it will be more of an air attack. But I think it'll be quick, and I think, you know, They'll get confidence, and once guys start backing off because of the pass, that's when I think they, you know, Cardinals drop in the zone, and then now that's when that decision comes in cover three, passing off in zones, and can't. And if De- Devontae Adams gets involved in this, then next thing you know, you're backing off, and then now they start running the ball because you're on your heels, trying to make sure you don't get beat behind mm. in depth. So I think it's it's one of those things that, as I was watching the film, that just seemed to be more of a present thing than the run game, just because I know how bad that offensive line is, and I also know what decision-making he's imploring to fix that offensive line, and it's not a good one. So I don't trust a run game when you're swapping out seven different offensive linemen at any point. Max, good stuff as always, man. Good luck with the Patriots this week. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I'm also I'm going to Columbia, South Carolina before that, oh, doing nice. a South Carolina, Georgia oh, So well, on Saturday. You get a, some barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little mustard sauce. Nothing wrong with nice. that. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Max. Right. Thanks, Max. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's Max Starks joining us right there for Maximum Football. And uh, Wolf, when we come back, back over to basketball, the commissioner has spoken. Adam Silver talking about the Robert Sarver situation. And uh, i tell you, one of the questions I want to know the answer to, I haven't got to hear the clip yet. Uh, I was asked if he has information that the public has not heard yet, and I believe he does. So we'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, thanks to Max Starks for joining us there for Maximum Football. Wolf, we've had guests for like the last hour and a half of the show because we had Mike Fitzgerald on before Max. We had Wolf and Down Your Lunch. I want to get back into this uh, Sun stuff because in that time, Adam Silver addressed the media and I'm going to start I'm just going to start at the very beginning here to kind of set the uh, the stage talking about how surprised he was by what the NBA investigation found. From a personal standpoint, um, I was you know, uh, you know, I was in disbelief to a certain extent about what I learned that had transpired over the last 18 years in the Suns organization. Um, I was saddened by it, disheartened. Um, I, I want to again apologize to the former, in some cases current, employees of the Phoenix Suns for what they had to experience. There's absolutely no excuse for it. Um, and we addressed it. Okay, they addressed it right there. So when I hear when I hear Adam Silver say that, what's the first thing you think of? Because for me, I'm thinking, why do you only get a year suspension? That's, yeah, that that I think that's the almost the only reaction people are having at this point. When because that to me is similar to yesterday getting the 43 page report and reading through some of the findings and if you if like I said yesterday if you see all that stuff first or you hear Adam Silver's comments right there before you hear what the actual punishment is right. you're thinking wow did, did they kick him out of the league did he right. get like 5 years is this it's 1 year 10 million dollars right. exactly not like 10 million dollars is nothing but I think it was Bickley actually who put it in his piece it's, a, it's it, and I don't know 
if the numbers are this specifically accurate or not, I'd have to go back and read what he said. But basically, you know, the Suns kind of appreciate in value all the time, right? It's yeah, the NBA team. Right. So while he gets suspended and fined $10 million, he's still going to make like $25 million next year on uh, above the 10 that he loses, Wolf. He's still going to make next year being suspended and fined more than I'm going to make my entire life, probably. Right. What else did Adam have to say, Luke? Uh, well, he knows about the outrage from fans and media. I understand. I, of course, have been following what's been said um, since we issued, you know, that, that those findings. You know, let me reiterate, um, the conduct is indefensible, um, but I feel we dealt with it in a fair manner and in both taking into account um, the totality of the circumstances, not just those particular allegations, but the 18 years in which Mr. Sarver has owned the Suns and the Mercury. Um, but, you know, part of the goal in being transparent here, and that is in issuing a public report, of course, is so that whether it's the media or the public can draw their own conclusions um, in the same way I did. I do appreciate the transparency of, of actually issuing the public report. I mean, yeah. I was half joking earlier, but I really wasn't. There's no way the NFL is going to put out their report when they're whenever they're done investigating Daniel Snyder. There's no way that's becoming public. Right. So I give Adam Silver and the NBA credit for that. But again, as he's talking, it, it doesn't. It just something doesn't totally add up. Luke, did did anybody ask Adam Silver in regard to uh, Robert Sarver whether or not they were going to make him sell the team? Did anyone say anything? Did anyone ask that kind of question right there? We got the Woj reporting on that from a little bit earlier, but there's no cut in there in regard to whether or not you're going to force him to sell his team, right? Um, there's, well, they asked him about uh, the possibility of removing him. There was no discussion around the, the process of removing him, there was a discussion around um, this case. Wow, okay. Huh. Okay, so okay. How, how, how do you read that right there? Well, I take that as there was no discussion about removing him, so it was it was bad? It was bad what happened to Robert Sarver and that workplace he created. It was bad, but it wasn't Super bad. I mean, is that the way you're reading that? I don't know how to read that, but the follow-up question, and this is the logical follow-up question, was, okay, well, then where do you draw the line of, of what allows somebody to keep owning an NBA franchise? Yeah. There is not a bright line in terms of ownership, and I wouldn't want to create one to suggest people could go right up to it. I think every one of these situations is going to be different. They're going to be fact-based. And as I said, I think you have to look at the totality of circumstances. You're looking at behavior over an 18-year period. I do believe that Mr. Sarver clearly um, has evolved as a person over that 18-year period. I think much of the behavior in question stems from much earlier in his tenure as an NBA owner. And I, I think what your, your litany leaves out are many very positive things. Well, there it is right there. It is the totality of it. He, that's the second time he went back to that. Mm -hmm. The totality, the 18 years, and, and the fact that he's owned the Mercury and the Suns. And it's been that long, almost 20 years going back. And when a lot of these uh, accusations, a lot of these facts, for in some instances, facts came down. Maybe that's what it is right there, but it's 
very interesting. Maybe, and he did, I'm, I'm not even really saying maybe, I mean, he said in there that he feels like he has seen progress. Here's another one. I'm, I'm kind of skipping around, obviously, throughout the press conference here real quick, Wolf, but uh, was there any conversation about Sarver, if he's not going to be kicked out, about him voluntarily just selling the team? No. I, uh, the discussions, we, we, Robert Sarver and I spoke several times along the way, and I, we allowed, I allowed the investigation to unfold. We didn't prejudge it. It doesn't sound like Robert Sarver is losing this team. And no. unless, unless, you know, unless this story just doesn't go away for a while and he's finally like, okay. And the other, I mean, the Suns have other owners, right? Minority owners who might just right. be like, you know what? We don't, <laughs> let's figure out something where you get billions of dollars to leave and we sell the team to somebody else. Yeah. You know, you know me. I am the grassy knoll, base and onions. I am the you grassy knoll. You can pay me knoll. billions of dollars to leave any room, by the way, or any situation. Like if that's how much money he would yeah. make from selling the team. Sure. Yeah. You could be like, you know, I want want you to leave. Here's $2 billion. Yeah, yeah, but but once again, I'm saying this, pure speculation on my part right here. I I don't stand on the grassy knoll. As I said, I am the grassy knoll. And when I hear Robert Sarver talking about that, or not Robert Sarver, when I hear Adam Silver talking about this, I think to myself, is it... Is it possible that they said, listen, you know, you're going to get a one year suspension, a $10 million deal right there. And then we're going to we're going to want you to sell the team. (laughs) Right. I mean, is it possible that they even Adam Silver says no. Yeah. Up until I I had heard that pretty definitive answer from him. I kind of thought that's where this was going of, okay, yeah, we just we 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 put all this stuff out there. We made it public information. Not that the NBA made Robert Sarver look bad, but they allowed everybody to see what was going on, and then we're going to suspend you for one year. Yeah. And you're going to make money in that year, even though you're getting, you know, you're going to get fined ten million dollars. Yes. which is not nothing. But you're right. That kind of in the back of my mind made me think, but maybe after that year, you gracefully leave and you exactly. get a bunch of money because you're you selling go. your team. And now it's an understanding that we have here. And you know what, Adam Silver just said definitively. No, I want to play this one too because I haven't heard the answer yet. But uh, but he he did say he has information that we don't have. I will say though that what what I have access to is a bit different than the public because while we issued this report um, in the process of doing the investigation, our the outside counsel. Um, who conducted this? Who conducted this review? Um, committed to confidentiality um, to anyone who wanted it was the vast majority of those who were interviewed. Um, plus, they looked at um, cell phones, you know, something like eighty thousand documents, and so I have access to information that the public doesn't. And and again, that. I'm able to look at the totality of the circumstances around those events. It's a lot of totality. You know, honestly, right now, when I hear Adam Silver, it's like Adam Silver saying, Robert Sarver is a completely changed man. Now, again, I'm putting words in Adam Silver's This is the most uncomfortable I've ever heard him. It, It is. I've never heard him so uncomfortable. And it's almost like he's saying, hey, listen, if we were talking about 15 years ago, I, I, he doesn't want to say that, obviously. Um, but, man, just listening to him right there, um, the totality 
comes back all over again. Said totality multiple times. It's just like you've got to look at the entire eye of information. What is the information that you have? It must be favorable to Robert Sarver. Yeah, I, it I must have to be favorable. It's context or something. It right? is, right? I, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. You don't know what I know. And that's why he only got a year suspension and a $10 million fine. Because this happened, I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there, 15 years ago. And he's a changed man. Uh, I don't know. I'm just lost like everybody else. Well, yeah, because you know, if 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 you believe what Woj has said, where a lot of the other owners are kind of frustrated with him for other stuff, and you have all this, like, at what point is it is it not worth all the trouble? Even for Robert Sarver, is it not worth? Because again, you get paid a lot of money if you sell an NBA team. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. How does Kyler Murray feel about facing Chandler Jones? Well, you hear from Kyler Murray next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Kyler Murray, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Nobody in this room is fast as this kid. He's like that little kid. You can't catch me. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Snap to Murray, and he's going to keep it off the left side. He's at the 10, half the 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Our guy is one of those that gives you a chance every Sunday, and at his best, you know, I don't know who's better in this league. Let's be the best. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals. Now. All right, well, so they just had, they were breaking down Patrick Mahomes on, on one of the screens in here in the studio. Obviously, we don't have the sound on, but it was Dan Orlovsky breaking down Patrick Mahomes. So okay. What do you think the odds are he was saying, okay, yeah, he did this, but not as good as Matthew Stafford? Or <laughs> five, but Staff, I was just going to say Stafford would have had six touchdowns. We all know he wishes he was breaking Matthew Stafford yeah. down. <laughs> you can see right here, this is why Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw as well as Matthew Stafford. Interesting. Uh, all right, so let's. Uh, let's Stafford switch. did win the Super Bowl, of course, Stafford last year was, with the Rams. Stafford was on a great team that won the Super Bowl. Um, and he did. He did. I, I had speculation going all the way through the postseason for the Rams. I just wasn't buying Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford proved himself right and me wrong. I, I will say he stepped up in big moments, which is obviously a huge component to winning a Super Bowl. The biggest moment he in did. the Super Bowl, he did. He also made a, a, quite a few mistakes that if he wasn't on a really good team, he never would have been in the Super Bowl. Like his teammates, if you told me, okay, it's Stafford or his but teammates. See, for me, it was always the moment. It was always That's how true. You did big that all last year. the moment was and could he handle that big of a moment. He did. Uh, Kyler Murray today talking after practice. Obviously, he's going to be asked about the prospect of facing Chandler Jones. I mean, it's not fun for anybody to face Chandler Jones, I'm sure, but especially a quarterback. Because if you're facing your former teammate, he's probably tackling you. Here's Kyler. Nah, it's going uh, to be fun. Um, Chan is, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great dude. Um, one of the uh, better, best teammates I've ever been, you know, had the pleasure to play with. Um, it's going to be weird, different, you know, obviously seeing him in a new uniform. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's got one job. I got one job. We'll be able to chop it up after the game, but, you know, we're on the field, obviously, it is what it is. Well, if I miss the days of the Cardinals, you know, being 5-0 and and, and Kyler's talking about how Chandler Jones doesn't exercise enough and, and Chandler's tweeting about how Kyler is actually baby Yoda and he's, remember this, from like early last year? Yeah. Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, those were the days right there. I, honestly, it's amazing. You've got Kyler Murray talking about Chandler Jones. And when I think about this game, I think of it through the prism of the Arizona Cardinals offense. And when you think about the Arizona Cardinals offense against the Raiders this week, I'm sorry. You do think of the two edges right now. You think of Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. These two guys who are supreme edge rushers. Um, it just feels like, you know what, the Arizona Cardinals have got to design their game plan around handling Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. That's a gross simplification of the truth. When you're talking about one element, one component of the game of defensive football, their edges... Two guys of eleven that are on the field, and you're gonna you're gonna work your entire game plan around. Yeah, yeah, you might do that. You, you better. I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? And if you're talking about Max Crosby, is one of the best defensive players in the NFL, probably one of the more underrated, or at least under the radar yeah. guys. Um, not not by players, obviously, but he's not. I wouldn't say he's a household name around the league yet, but he is. What did you say? He had ten tackles ten last week. Ten tackles as a defensive end. Defensive end. Yeah. Yeah. And and not to mention the fact, I don't think well, he didn't have any sacks because nobody somehow in the Raiders had any sacks, but he is a sack machine, too, normally. He had two quarterback hits. He knocked the quarterback down a couple of times. Chan knocked the quarterback down once. He had a hit as well, but um, he made one tackle. Chandler made one tackle, and you had Crosby making 10 tackles. Um, the secondary for the Raiders is all beat up, and that's something I think uh, that Hopefully, Kyler Murray and the receivers will get this going, uh, get it going up there in Las Vegas and work on that secondary a little bit. But more than anything else, they got to be balanced because it's going to be a game. It's going to be a contest. Can the Arizona Cardinals offensive line protect Kyler Murray? Long enough, long enough for him to exploit that secondary. Um, Kyler Murray, sort of along those lines, talked about the potential to be able to spread the ball around this week. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would love to, um, you know, get Keish and AJ more balls, uh, Ertz, you know, more touches. Um, you know, James, you got you. It's it's once Hop come back, you know, it's it's more mouths to feed stuff like that. Um, but no, that 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 didn't happen. By you know, that just kind of happened. It was one of those things where. Um, he happened to be in the right places at the right time, and and that was you know that's what that's just what happens when you, when you're in the game. Throw to the open guy, man. That's what it comes down to. You know what? Honestly, I, I it's so tough. It really is. It's hard. Coaches are thinking about this. Cliff Kingsbury is going to be thinking about this. Of course, there are there are first reads, and your first read is not your third read. There are first reads as a quarterback. There are people you're trying to get the ball to, obviously. It makes sense, right? But once again, um, throw to the open guy. This is something that Kurt Warner did. Old Graybeard did it better than anybody else. Graybeard was loaded with talent as well, especially at the wide receiver position. And he spread the ball all over the place. Uh, It (laughs) helps to have Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden and even Steve Reston that one year. That was but yeah, I mean, look, he helped make those guys, to a certain extent, what they are. Go through your reads and throw to the open receiver. Uh, real quick, too, Zach Ertz was not, you know, he was there last week, but he he was on a, a, a pitch count, for lack of a better term.
their term. They asked Kyler how big it'll be to just have Zach Ertz for the full game, hopefully, this week. Yeah, just getting his legs back underneath him. Um, and then, you know, having his savviness out there over the middle of the field. Um, you know, his knowledge of the game, uh, his leadership, having him out there is, is definitely huge for us. Uh, would love to see, you know, McBride and all the, you know, Max and uh, Steve get going too. So, um excited for him. Well, if Zach Ertz is the guy that when the Hopkins suspension came down, Ertz was the guy I thought might be the one that could help offset it for, for six weeks. Not that any one guy's going to be able to do it, but of all the guys that they have, he's kind of the, it's just kind of a wild card, right? I mean, he is a tight end that is such Zero. a good receiver that maybe two of these games, he goes over 100 yards and gets in the end zone once or twice. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because this could be a game. This could be a game they have the full complement of that tight end room. We'll see. All right, we come back. Why is Robert Sarver's punishment different than Donald Sterling's was? Well, the commissioner, Adam Silver, has spoken about that very topic. We'll tell you what he had to say next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, here's my experience coming back from break, Wolf. I hear Metallica, so I go to turn up the headset a little bit. And instead of, like, cranking it from, like, 3 to 5, I just crank it from 3 to about uh, 80. Yeah. So I'm not going to hear anything you say this entire Okay, time. there you go. Okay, so you're all messed up yep. right there. Uh, don't worry about it. It's not real Metallica. Is it? Just some Rubber guy band. in a garage uh, whatever. It's laying metallic. down a little riff or something like that. Um, Chris Paul's been trending on Twitter for two consecutive days, and I don't think it's because he launched a new vegan snack brand, although he did. Oh, did he really? Yeah, but I don't think that's why he's trending on Twitter. Okay. Uh, but Can you tell me did. what the snack is just before we get into the, uh, the heavy stuff here? Good or? eating. Good eating. <laughs> he, he, Chris Paul proclaims himself a lifelong snacker. And uh, yeah, he's got, it's a bunch of like tortilla chip looking things. Oh, okay. That are actually good for you. Yeah, was... Well, they're, yeah, it looks like we got uh, okay. at least five different flavors to choose from. <laughs> I got to ask CP3 about this, man, because I dig some chips now. Yeah, well, I'm, That's my problem. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with some good chips. <laughs> I've got a lot of problems, actually, but that one more so than most. Well, Chris Paul may have just solved one of your problems with five delicious flavors, at least. Good eating. Uh, or, you know, uh, maybe right. he's trending for a different reason. Adam Silver today, we played you some of the clips in response to the Robert Sarver suspension. Um, let's see, I want to get you a few more here. Uh, the question was asked, why, okay, why is Robert Sarver's suspension not the same, or his punishment, I should say, not the same as Donald Sterling's? Why is it not even really similar? Here's Adam Silver's response. In the case of Donald Sterling, I don't remember my precise words back then, but I think the commentary around it becoming public didn't go to ultimately um, what the consequences should be. I think it was it was more the nature of how we learned about it, how the public was aware of it um, in, in a time where um, the, what, the way it was disseminated so quickly over the internet um, and I think there was a, there was a, a a realism to it, you know, that exists when you have audio of something that um, put, you know, back to my earlier comments, put everyone in essence in the same position I was in. We were all looking at the same record. Oh my! I'm, what what did he just say? I'm so glad I looked over at you. And I was like, okay, I feel confused by that. Oh, I looked over at you, and you had the wow. most confused look on your face I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> that was the, the uh, only word that suffices for that. 
obfuscation. That was a 42-second clip where the last 38 seconds were spent confusing the first four seconds. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Obfuscation. Uh, um, what? Let me play another Did one. Did he Maybe just I, say? I don't, again, I, say this, I said this earlier. Was there a follow-up to that? Was there? Yeah, the follow-up is probably like, uh, what? <laughs> um, let's, yeah, okay. Sarver's comments oh. were, were, this This is the follow-up. Adam Silver saying Sarver's comments were different in context compared to those of, uh, of Donald Sterling. It's not that one was captured on and the other isn't because... As we went through this investigation, and what was pointed out um, in the investigator's report is Mr. Sarver ultimately has acknowledged his behavior. Um, so there may be some d- disagreement around the edges, but it's not really about a factual dispute here. It's not Mr. Sarver saying, I never said that. What is lost, though, and in, in, in the differentiating between the facts in this situation and Donald Sterling is the context. And I have available to me more of a context than the public can, and that's just the nature of it. Yeah, okay. So, you know, I mean, once again, when I hear when I hear Adam Silver say that, I think he sensed real remorse from Robert Sarver. That that is what it sounds like. I mean, we're left to draw that conclusion because what he just said in there that it's it's not because it's not that Sterling's punishment was more severe because they had audio of him of him right. doing it is honestly what I think a lot of us believed was the difference. But he just said right there, no, I mean, for the most part, Sarver's not disputing all of this. Like you said, there are some details Robert Sarver doesn't agree with, but it's not really a were these his actions right. or not a debate anymore after yesterday. So that excuse, I guess, or reason for Sarver's punishment not being as severe is kind of out the window. It's the commissioner just threw it out the window right there. Yeah, that's man. So um, I think you're right that he's just, in, he is, I'm guessing that, that Adam Silver has seen, okay, yeah, I didn't like this behavior. I didn't like this behavior. A lot of this was like eight or nine years ago, which shouldn't excuse it. But I'm guessing he looked at it and said, this guy maybe has changed and he seems pretty remorseful about yeah. it. Yeah. But again, I'm just left to guess. I know. Um, context, the totality. <laughs> that's the thing I'm going to take away from all of this. The number one thing is going to be the totality and the use of the word totality. In its totality um, and and the context of which um, Adam Silver continues to bring up, um, I have more information than you do. What is that? That's obviously information that is provided by Robert Sarver. And um, you know, honestly, it does make you think that uh, he's referencing some type of real remorse from Robert Sarver and accountability and responsibility. And that was something that Robert Sarver, I thought, in his statement acknowledged. Um, totality and animus. Those are the two words I've heard more in the last 24 hours. They both sound like tool albums, but they, <laughs> but they both uh, two words. I didn't think I was going to hear nearly this much in the last 24 hours. Uh, one more from Adam Silver. We're looking at the totality of circumstances over an 18 year period um, in which he's owned these teams. Um, and ultimately, we made a judgment. I made a judgment that in the circumstances in which he had used that language and that behavior that, well, as I said, it was 
indis- indefensible is, 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 is not strong enough. There's, it, it's beyond the pale in every possible way um, to use language and behave that way, but that it was wholly of a different kind than what we saw in that earlier case. Man, I just, that's Adam Silver. This guy is one of the brightest human beings on the face of the planet, and he he he's struggling. I've I've never really seen him not this flustered. I I mean, I don't remember his demeanor every second of the way during the Donald Sterling stuff, but I feel like even then he was he was more definitive than he is right here. And and you know, we just tried to guess why, (laughs) but. I, I really don't know why he's he's kind of twisting himself into a pretzel there, almost not saying something. It almost sounds like there's something he wants to say, but he can't say it. I, I, so, it's very strange. So we're sitting here, and what is next, right? What what? Who do we want to hear from next? I, I know there's a lot of people out there. I'm sure want to hear from Robert Sarver himself next. It's almost. I don't um, think we can. Yeah, for me, for me personally, it, it's. I'm more interested to hear what the players say inside that locker room. We're going to hear with Chris Ball. Media days in in 12 days. That's going to do it for us here today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney for putting the show together. Jesse Morrison behind the glass as well for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.